<laughs> yeah, but I just, I just don't, I can't understand how there's any energy left in this room after a day of sitting, and it's just amazing that there still is some. We'll squeeze the last little piece out of it, and it'll be, a, it'll be a good thing. Um, you know, it's funny we doing this stuff over the weekend. It's, it's, so, it's so funny how uh, you can't help but judge these things and you can't help but compare them to other gigs and this kind of thing. And it, I know it's not right, and, it, and you, know, you do these things every weekend or almost every weekend, and it's like after a while you just kind of – it, but it's weird how different some of these things get. And you get to know guys and you get to know people that are involved in these things, and there, there, there are more healthy people in here See, a lot of times when you do these things, you know, you, you kind of lay this stuff out there and it's on deaf ears and everybody, you know that most everybody doesn't connect with you. They're not, they're not, they're not on the same page as you. And it's like, I'm up here talking Spanish and you guys are all just like going like, what the heck is he talking about? You know, like this. And that's sometimes the way you finish the weekend just like that. You kind of go home and go, golly, did we do, did we accomplish anything by this kind of stuff? And it's sort of disheartening. What's really weird is that it, right before dinner, I go up there, and, I, and, and we were talking to some cats before, before dinner, and, and I'm listening to what these guys are saying, and everybody is so healthy. There's not, it's like everybody's already on page, everybody's already doing the stuff, everybody's already just little pictures of mental health, and I, it's just a, a real treat to be here. This will be one that I, I, I'll... Uh, I'll regret being done with, and I'm, I'm, I'm glad to know a bunch of you. It's just it's amazing how many of you got to meet and, and get to know. Um, this Step 10, 11 stuff that we're going to do here, Chris and I are going to kind of split this little hour up here, and we'll cover this, and then we're going to do Step 12 together in the morning. And, and it's, a, um, it's kind of a, a everything kind of gears us up for what we're going to do in the morning. Um, and it's funny, in AA land, I believe you'll see that this is true in your own ex in your own experience. That ten and eleven are kind of the the bastard steps in the bunch. They're the ones that guys, oh yeah, I did that stuff. I do that stuff. And then and then when they unravel and you talk to them up close and cur up up close and personal, you go, well, so tell me what you did in 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 this eleventh step stuff. Did you pray and meditate about this stuff before you made that decision to marry this girl? And and he goes he goes, well, well, no, not not really, not really. And it's, and it's interesting, you know, that, that, that in all this time that you courted this girl, you never one time called me with any 10-step stuff. This means you guys never had an argument. You never said anything unkind to her. You never did it. Well, yeah, well, I guess I should have probably. You see, this, you never really know that, it, that it, you're not doing it until the wheels come off the whole picture, and then all of a sudden it's real evident. Um, Bill... Bill Wilson and these cats, they understood that, that, that we were going to work our rear ends off, getting to a point where we were spiritually as clean as we could get, that we were going to be okay, we were going to uncover lots of truths about ourselves, but then left to our own devices, if we didn't do something daily, that there was always this risk that we would gradually get back to where we used to be. Just the nature of self puts us there. It's just this, you ever watch it in your own existence where you would go... Um, you're fine, and then and then one one day there's this guy at the cleaners that just pisses you off, and you just he never seems to get it right, and so you finally just one day you say, well, you know, and you have words with the guy. Now I can't go back to the cleaners, and then pretty soon there's the guy down at the gas station, and we have words with this guy, you know, like now I can't go down to the gas station anymore, and pretty soon 
slowly but surely our world gets smaller and smaller and smaller again until we're back the same way we were. At the end of my drinking, the only place I can safely go is my garage. <laughs> I, I just sat in that carport and worked on this little duck boat project of mine that never floated in real water. And I just sat in there and drank and, 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 and played with that stupid boat, you see. But my whole world was right there. And, that's, and, and it's funny that at seven years sober, that's most of the businesses in that little town that, I, that I'm, I'm, I'm involved with, um, uh, most of those places I couldn't go to anymore because I was back again having words with everybody. And back in this two steps, this 10 and 11, were designed to help us stay clear of that stuff so that our own arrogance and ego don't get us in trouble again. What is of interest to me, and I think it's always of interest to talk about this thing briefly, is that in the beginning of step 10, there's a couple, of, we're, all we're going to do is just read one paragraph of this, but I want you to see something. Um, everybody gets vague about 10, and they give you some expi uh, explicit directions right off the bat. It says, this thought brings us to step 10, which suggests we continue to take personal inventory. We just got th through doing that in 4 and 5, right? And continue to set right any new mistakes as they go along. Now, we vigorously commenced this way of living as we cleaned up the past. There's our instruction for what we, the, the question that was earlier that we, that we were talking about. This, that sentence is where they're telling us that this is, this is actually the only place in the big book where it gives us the privilege and the right to work a step out of order. We're not going to finish all those amends. While we're working the amends, while we're cleaning up the past, we're going to be living in 10, 11, and 12 and doing the stuff that we're supposed to be doing on this. We've entered the world of the Spirit. Our next function is to grow in understanding and effectiveness. This is not an overnight matter. It should continue for our lifetime. How long? Till we get to feeling better? Until we, I mean, forever. Forever. We're, this is a way of life that we're going to carry the rest, with, rest of the, t the time with us. Now, continue to watch for selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear. Where did we hear that before? We just finished it on this inventory stuff. should be quite fresh. And then here's the directions. When these crop up, not if, but when, when these crop up, we ask God at once to remove them. One, we discuss them with someone immediately. Two, we make amends quickly if you've harmed anyone. Three, and then we resolutely turned our thoughts to someone we could help. Four, four specific, precise instructions on what we're supposed to do when I step on somebody else. When I, when I, when I, I don't have the luxury any longer. If I'm going to walk this path, I don't have the luxury of, sh of, of making decisions about when I'm going to shoulder some problem and when I'm not going to shoulder some problem. If I stepped on you and hurt you, I need to fix it. And it, and it looks something like this. My wife, it's, my wife laughs at me all the time because she knows exactly what I'm doing when I do it. If I have words with somebody on the telephone, she, she and I share an office. She's my business partner. And, uh, she is also the smart one. The only reason I have a dime today is because of my wife. She's the smart one. And, and um, she, she knows when I've done it because what will happen is this. I've just learned. I don't, I don't take any chances on this thing. If, if I have words with somebody, I go, yeah, you, you dick. And I, and I set the phone down. <laughs> I set the phone down, but I don't let go of the phone. I just hang on to it. And she walks in, and I'm holding the phone. And she said, oh, you said something cute to somebody again, didn't you? And I went, yeah, how'd you know? She knows, because we've been through this, but I don't let go of the phone. And I say me a little prayer, and then I, I click speed dial, and I call Cliff Bishop. Cliff, you won't believe it. I actually got, this guy drove me off sides again. Any of you guys know about being drawn off sides? Yeah, this guy drew me off sides, and I said something I shouldn't say, and he says, well, you know what to do, right? I said, yep, I know what to do. I call this guy back. I go, hey, listen, oh, don't hang up, please. 
listen, you deserve much better than this. I'm sorry I treated you so shabbily. I got way too many irons in the fire this morning, and you did not deserve what I gave you. Please forgive me. That's it. That's all that has to be done. We talk for a couple of seconds. He's laughing on the other end of the line. I'm laughing on my end of the line, and everything is fine. And then I can set the phone down, and then I sit there, take a couple of deep breaths, and I go, let's see, who haven't I talked to for a while? Ah, Louis D. Tink, and I'll just call a friend of mine that's in the program that I haven't talked to in two weeks. Don't know what's going on with him, but I'm going to go try to be of service to somebody else. That's what the step says. And it works. It works like a charm. Works like a charm. They make it quite clear that... Um, I mean, it's like, where did I, where is it that I get into this situation where I decide that I can customize my own program? And yet this is what we do all the time, isn't it? Is that I get to feeling okay, I'm feeling kind of at one with the universe and everything is okay. This is that thing where this, this, this defiance seems to rear its ugly head, where I begin to pick and choose who I'm going to apologize to. Well, that guy deserved it. it. It would be real easy to say that. Maybe he did deserve it. But I'm the one that's hurting. I'm the one that's got crosswise with the guy. And it's, if, you'll, if you'll take the step literally the way it says, when it, creep, when it creeps up, I don't wait. I don't, sometimes, on a rare occasion, sometimes I don't realize I'm, that I've stepped on somebody until my 11th step work at the end of the night. When I sit there for a few minutes, and it's not a long, drawn-out, nasty thing, guys. I'm talking less than two minutes, usually, of reflecting on the day and thinking back on the people that I talked to and the things that I said. And if I find that I was curt with somebody, I was a little sharp with that guy at the meeting, I'll just write it down on a little piece of paper and we can go on down the road. This is about trying to keep things cleared out. And it's amazing that as you begin to do it, you find that you do it less and less because you don't have to do it so much because you're not, you're not actively engaged in trying to have your way day in and day out. When I, what, driven by self, I'm always stepping on somebody. You understand that, right? You know, some of you guys wouldn't do that, but some of you would. It, just like me. It's just, we just don't do this. And I, I, if we're taking care of the biz there, then the 11th step process, which is probably one of the slickest little pieces of spiritual stuff ever written on a page and a half, um, do any of you guys think that this is remarkable as I do, that Bill Wilson, who was a, who was an, uh, a, a, a card-carrying agnostic just a few years earlier and then he writes this work around step 11 and it's one of the it, it would be easy to be vague about such matters I mean Bill Wilson would really have liked this stuff to be passed on to somebody else but he stepped on into it and he wrote this clear-cut little piece of stuff telling us specifically what to do at the beginning of the day what to do at the end of the day how to do it and then what the results would be you notice that on those pages like this, in, 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 in that little nest of pages between 10 and 11, there are, must is, is, there are three musts on one page. Actions mentioned four times. Um, we, guys, it's just, it's important. How many times in meetings did you hear guys say, well, there are no musts in the big book? There's three of them right there on that one page, right there in that one little nest of this kind of stuff. It's just, it's an amazing deal what it is. Bill, Bill and these guys are real clean about telling us what will happen when we do something and what will happen when we don't do something. Um, uh, pretty clear stuff. For, for years, guys, I felt that the 11-step uh, work was for somebody else, not for me. I'll tell you a real fast story and then let Chris do what he's going to do on this thing. And, and uh, um, uh, But the story speaks volumes uh, of guys just like me, 
guys that are busy, guys that are active doing other things, and we get lives going, and we get everything going, and I, I, just, I just simply, it was the easiest thing, because somebody's not standing on my neck every day asking me if I prayed this morning, and Clifford wasn't, then it was really easy for me to hold this stuff at some distance, and, and, I, and I could just be sort of cursory with it. I could just do it whenever, whenever I felt like it. If I had a big deadline at work, and we had just started the job, I'm a praying fool. I mean, I'm, I'm just going for it, you know, but if everything is going okay at work and we're all right, why, you know, why bother God? You know, I got, <laughs> I got it, I got it under control, you know, and really it was the booze and the, it was the, it was the booze and stuff that was kicking my butt. It wasn't, it wasn't the work. I'm, I'm okay with the work. I got it. I got it. It's crazy stuff. I'll tell you the story about being at this conference. Some of you guys have heard me tell this story and I, I Chris was there and this reason I just wanted to. Chris left me hanging. I, I, I wanted to kill him that day because he, he, didn't, he didn't help. He, I, just, I, just, I just wanted him to step up and help me, but he didn't. He just let me swing in the wind. We're, we're at this conference that we've been going to for years and years and years. Okay, I'll tell the story, and then you can tell your version of it when I'm done, okay? <laughs> yeah, give me my nose, man. You can't. You cannot not believe a man with a big nose. So here's the, we're at this conference, and, and it's, a, it's a deal a lot like this. It's a weekend-long deal. It's a men's retreat thing out in the, out, way out in West Texas. It's in the middle of nowhere. There's 250 guys show up for this deal, and we've been a part of that thing since, since, since almost the year I sobered up. And um, we sleep in big dorms kind of like you guys used to do in big, big, long rooms with 16 or 17 guys in each room. And it's a big snore fest. And, and, and it, the, the, but so we, at, at lunchtime or breakfast that day, we're sitting all there like this. And, and Chris is there and Mark Houston is sitting right there. And, and there's a whole bunch of people. And then there's, there's 200 people right there around where I am. And why I said it to this day, I swear I don't know. But I, I, there were some guys that were kneeling by their bre- their bed that morning praying, and I thought it was the funniest thing I'd ever seen. I just, I, I mean, I don't, I just thought it was funny. And I said, "Did you see those guys?" Um, actually, I, actually, I said, "Did you see those pussies sitting by their be- their bed this morning praying?" I said it. I'm Scouts honor. Some of us were sicker than others, and I, but I, I just. And I laughed. I went, ha, like this. And I just sat there, and nobody else is laughing. <laughs> and it's like, if you ever said something and wished you could have taken it back, the instant it left your mouth, that's exactly what happened like this. And my face got beat red, and I was just kind of looking straight ahead, and I went, <laughs> And I just look around, and Chris, I hear this noise, and Chris's tray is sliding away from the table, and he leaves. <laughs> And about that time, so another guy left, and another guy left, and another guy left, and I'm sitting there at this table with nobody around me. It's just me and Mark Houston sitting right there. And my face, my face is as red as that guy's shirt, and I'm just, I'm just like going, oh, man, oh, man, oh, man, oh, man, oh, man. And uh, Mark doesn't say anything. And he's just, he's just kind of looking at me. You know when people give you the eye, they're just looking at, eyeballing you? And, I, and I'm thinking, what? A, and so finally I just looked at him and I said, what? And he said, he said, he said, he said do you believe, 
the, what the book says about God being everything or is he nothing? And I went, yeah, I do, I guess. And he said, he said well, so, so tell me, is God everything or is God nothing? And I went, here, I'm still fishing for the third door. I want another option here. And, he, and he, I go, uh, okay, God's everything. Okay, all right. Dead silence. Well, Myers, let me, I want to make sure I got this clear. If God is everything, and that's what you just said, how much time do you spend with God in the morning? Which morning? And he's, you know, I'm hurting really bad here, guys. I don't want to, I mean, I, this whole conversation is just freaking me out because I just, I just, I know where this is going already. And I said, I, listen, I, I'm going to be, I, I want, you want the truth, right? And he said, it would be great. And I said, okay, here's the deal. The, the truth of the matter is, is that most mornings, the best prayer I can get out is backing out of my driveway in my truck. Scout's on her. And he said, okay, I want to make sure that we are clear on this. So God is everything in your life. And the most, of the most time you'll give him is backing out of your driveway in your truck. Is that correct? And I went, that's correct. And he got up and he left. He just left me sitting there. And I didn't know what to do. It was just the freakiest thing in the world. And I got up and I threw my dishes in the deal. And I walk outside, Stu. And, 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 and guys, I'm in my own weird, alcoholic, goofy head, I'm mad at them. I'm, I mean, I'm angry at them because I want somebody to, to love me and tell me it's going to be okay, to wrap me in a blanket. I want to. <laughs> oh, well. So anyway, the, here's what happens. The next morning, I get up really early, like 4 o'clock. Because I don't want anybody to see me doing this. And, and, I, and, I, and I slip out of that bed, and I get out on my knees, and I pray. And it's the first time as an adult that I've ever, ever got on my knees to pray. And I'll tell you what, guys. I got up, and I walked to that bathroom, and I walked back to my bunk, and I'm sitting there, and I felt like somebody had stuck 220 right up my little butt. I was as as energized and as, as, as in touch with God as I've ever been in my whole life. The simple act of doing something that was humble was all it took to connect it all up. And, I began, and the, from the experience of doing that is all I needed to have what I needed for the rest of my, rest of my existence. I mean, that's, that's been many, many years ago, and I simply do not miss a day without being on my knees. I simply do not miss it. Um, and it's a big deal. And I talk to guys that I sponsor, and we talk about prayer, and I'm, I talk very openly about this stuff. I said, I want you on your knees. I want you to, to, to understand what it's like to humble yourself before something else. I want you to understand what it's like. Because in my own arrogance, you see, it's like the simple idea that I can make the conscious decision to not do that is the arrogance that I'm talking about. That's the defiance that I'm talking about that gets me in trouble. Because if I'm willing to make that decision, I don't need to get on my knees to pray. If I'm willing to make that decision, what other decisions am I going to make based on that kind of bowed up uh, uh, arrogance? Where does it end? It doesn't end. It just gets worse and worse and worse. And pretty soon I'm going, well, screw her. I didn't need to. I mean, 
I'm, I'm just running rampant again through people. And it, it, it just gets ugly real fast. And so um, all that thing is just to say one thing. Um, prayer and meditation was at, it's at the core of this whole process that we're in here. And, and if you still feel goofy around prayer, um, change that. Do something different. Make prayer special. Make meditation special. Make it a time when you can actually be clear with God. Um, um, let, me, let me ask you one more quick, one more quick question. Who, how many of you guys in here are parents that have kids? Okay, good. Some rooms there's nobody. It's just the weirdest thing in the world. I'm going, man, I've got to think of another story real quick because nobody's in here to... <laughs> You guys that have parents will understand exactly what I'm is. All my kids now, all my daughters have now, as of last week, moved out. They're all out of the house. And, and it's like, when I put it in perspective, what I would really like to do with my kids is spend time with them. I don't want gifts from them. I don't want anything else. I just simply want to be in the same room with those, with those girls. I just want to be there with them. And, and that's exactly the way I think God feels about the whole deal. If God loves us the way he says he does, and I truly believe that he does, don't you think he wants to spend more time with us than just this weird, I'm backing out of the driveway, okay, God, it's going to be a <laughs> effed up day, please help me here. Don't you think he wants more than that? I do. I do. And I can be still, and I can sit quietly, and we'll see what happens. We'll, we'll see. Any of you guys ever remember the first time you tried to meditate? Yeah. <laughs> Michael. I'd like you to finish the story. How'd you clean up the mess you made the day before? With, uh, oh, you mean at the, at the camp? <laughs> I had to go back out and tell them exactly what happened. I just had to go back out and say, guys, I'm telling you right now, I'm a changed man today as a direct result of what you guys forced me to do. <laughs> which, is, which is pretty much it. That... that how many, do you guys remember the first time you ever meditated and how goofy it felt and how, how absolutely absurd? I mean, say, I had a guy one time say, just, just sit and meditate for 20 minutes. You can do it. <laughs> Ten seconds later, I'm looking at my watch going, oh, fuck. <laughs> I'm, jeez, I'm dying here. I'm dying. I made it two minutes and I thought, that's good enough, man. I'll never be able to... It, but, it, but it's like practicing anything that you've ever done. It's like practicing a musical instrument. It's like doing anything else. We've spent, we've spent every waking hour from the time we were little kids in short pants, we've spent every waking hour being as busy as we can be. Go is, is, is it. And now all of a sudden, we're trying to look at a new skill, which is stop. Be still. And in that still quietness, all kinds of crazy things happen. And your head is, is revolting, if, especially if you're doing something like trying to sit. Try to sit and meditate when you're an old stiff guy like me and see how you'll feel so goofy that it's just like, oh my golly. But if you'll persist, if you'll sit, what you'll find is, is that those moments in the morning of sitting still and being with God come out to be the most important thing you've ever done. And it's the, absolutely the coolest. And then go ahead and miss a day and see what it's like. 
I, listen, I'd rather miss taking a shower, I'd rather miss brushing my teeth, I'd rather miss half a day at work than I would missing that, that 15 or 20 minutes of being able to sit still with God in the morning and listen to that deal. Because the funny part about it is, and then I'll shut up, guys, is that, is that if you'll commit to making it a process, if you'll commit to making it something that is a part of your existence, then what will happen is, is that you'll begin to, day by day, you'll begin to, to, to rely on that still, quiet voice that answers the questions that beg to be answered. You'll begin to sense things. That, that guy you think you might like, you'll begin to sense that he's really a dick and you don't want to be around him. Or, or you'll be able to sense that he's the good guy that you need to be gravitating to. These are the things that are so cool when you start trusting on that stuff. On page 164, there's a line in there that says, you guys have read it a million times in your meetings maybe, that God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. And I think that, that those cats meant that literally. I think God truly is disclosing stuff to us all the time. But worldly clamors and our own, all these voices in our head keep this stuff blotted out. And so we don't hear it when he's telling us. And that's the reason why meditation, this time to be quiet, becomes so incredibly important. Because in that stillness, I can finally hear the direction that I need to be given about what it is that I'm supposed to do. And for most of us, there couldn't be anything more, more special than knowing that. Thanks, guys. My name is Chris Kramer, recovered alcoholic. Just to touch on a couple of things he said, and I, I certainly concur. My sponsor talks about the disciplines of 10, 11, and 12, and that's exactly what they are. They're disciplines of 10, 11. I mean, you, you, you got, it's not something that you can just talk about and read about. You've got to actually practice, and if you don't practice it, you're not going to know. Some of you in here meditate, and you meditate often, and you're, you're, you're nodding your head. You know exactly what we're talking about. And some of you are just thinking it's goofy. You're okay. You're staying sober, but you're not meditating, so you're missing what we're saying here. There's, I believe... Um, uh, I brought this up as a topic at a meeting one time. We were talking about this. Do you believe God wants to communicate with us? And, and we, it was an anarchy in that meeting because, I mean, there was people that were convinced that we were in a communication system, you know, uh, 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 circumstances with God. And then there were some that just thought that was the fruitiest thing in the world, that we're all just a bunch of little autotrons out here trying to do the best we can do. And I got to tell you, as tough as life is today, I certainly hope that we've got some spiritual help guiding us. And I hope it's more than the guru sitting at the end of the table dispensing advice. Because that's where so many of us go to get it. God speaks through other people in the group. Yeah, so does Satan. <laughs> but ain't it the truth? Ain't it the truth? I mean, why do you got to go through an intermediary? I know that that's true sometimes. I've heard that stuff. But why can't you get quiet with God in the morning or at night in, in the stillness and hear some, some, some guidance about what to do? Do I, do I go back to school? Do I start that business? Do I, I mean, today with, the, with, the, with money is crazy and this country is nuts as it is when we all need that spiritual guidance. And, and I agree with what Meyer said. It's just not an option. I was reading the other day and I copied it because this it's, it's a little uh, excerpt from Dr. Bob and the good old timers. He says, the AA members of that time did not consider meetings necessary to maintain sobriety since there was only a, one meeting a week if you were lucky enough to live near one. They simply desirable. The meetings were simply desirable. Morning devotion and quiet time, however, were musts. You follow? 
And today in our fellowship, what we've done is we've just, we've just done just the opposite. You just need to go to a meeting every day. You th- you're, you're, <laughs> you go, a little guy comes into a meeting and he's had a relapse or he's th- talk, thinking about drinking and everybody jumps. Well, you've got to double up on your meetings. Why? And some of you, again, you're not laughing because you think that's a good advice to give somebody. No, you need to double up your spiritual efforts. You need to do what you can do to get spiritually connected. Does that make sense? Because that's what the book is saying. The spiritual life's not a theory. We got to live it. And I got to say this. I want to talk about something else real quick. I, I, I said it Friday night. I said it last night when I was talking. And it's like, guys, we used to be a spiritual program of action. The book talks about it. It describes it as such. Our subsequent literature describes it. What we have today in the United States, around the world actually, is that we have this, this little self-help movement. You'll follow? If you go to the Library of Congress to look up the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, if you want to find it, you've got to go to self-help. You go to Hazleton Catalog. You want to find the big book, look under self-help. Oh my God. And of course, Alcoholics Anonymous has allowed this crap to happen. This is so not self-help this is this is unapologetically about God your own interpretation of that but that's what it's about and you know for every one of us that've got the cojones to say that there's 10 more that are going to scurry back the other direction almost apologetic about it and that's where we get up in so much trouble in our fellowships folks because I'm going to tell you something I can't keep you sober we said it before and uh, you can't keep me sober but God keeps us all sober the only thing we got to do only thing we're responsible to do is to do the things necessary to stay spiritually connected if I don't do anything really goofy that compromises my principles I'll have a clear channel between that thing called God that's why we do the inventory work that's why we make the amends so that I can set the universe straight and I can get a clear channel with God and then that power will tell me what to do. Does that make good sense? I want to show you something. This is a spot I want to talk to you guys about this accountability piece because I'm not going to have time to talk about it in the morning. But, it's, but it, in my guys with I sponsor, we have this little accountability group. And it's one of the things that the old geezers grabbed hold of me when I first got sober in 87. One of the reasons I couldn't stay sober is because I wouldn't, I would do pieces of the program. Y'all follow? Back in the day, back when we, I had, we had a third edition books at the time, we had a circle and triangle on the title page of the book. And some of you guys, I know some of you have got third edition, but we, we've, we've since lost that circle and triangle. They, in, in copyright litigations, they took it out. And I don't remember if it was the end of the third edition, the last printing they did, or the first or the fourth edition, but, but we don't have it in there anymore. I got a little rubber stamp over here, and if you want to come by after this is over, sometime in the rest of the weekend, well, I'll stamp your little book, and we'll put the bastard back where it belongs. Okay. I don't I sometimes don't know who makes these decisions, but, 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 the, but the guys at the beginning of Alcoholics Anonymous, they all use the circle triangle to stay in balance in the program. And I've, I've talked to some of you guys in private, and I've talked to you some of you between breaks and stuff. We've talked about this balance thing. You know, we got a lot, we got to juggle family and job and, and program, and how, how do we keep this? But the bottom line is what we want to try to do is we want to try to stay sober through the whole, the, the whole shooting match. The guys that got me that night, I, I wish I had a little board up here I could write it because some of you new guys, you may never have even seen it, but the circle triangle, at the bottom piece of that triangle, there's a word called recovery. And there's three legacies that we were given, recovery, unity, and service. And the old geezer asked me, he said, Chris, what do you think this recovery is? And I said, well, it's 
the steps. I've been around AA, remember, seven years. I didn't own a big book. We were using his big book. I mean, good heavens. But he says, what do you think this means? I said, it's the steps. He said, that's exactly what that is. Let me ask you a question. Have you worked all 12 steps? Quiet. Pause. Well, comma, I'm working the steps to the best of my ability. <laughs> Which always translates to, no, I'm not working the steps. I've worked some of the steps, but I'm not. And so I said, no. And he said, he got a little pencil, and he's, he X'd it out of the, on the bottom. And he says, oh, I see, I see. And I didn't, I like freaked out. He said, well, what do you think unity is? That's the, that's the up part of the, of the triangle. What do you think unity is? And I said, well, it's meetings, I guess. The fellowship. Very good. Do you go to meetings? Absolutely. Meeting makers make it, absolutely. Don't you know that? I remember... I remember he rolled his eyes and gave me a check. He said, that's very good. That's excellent. you got to go to meetings. That's a, that's a part of our legacy. Our fellowship, guys, is part of the legacy. He said, what's the third legacy? The one that we haven't talked about. I said, oh, shit. Service. I said, well, what do you think that is? I said, well, it's making coffee. It's like this. He said, Chris, as the traditions tell us, our service is to carry the message to the newcomer, to work with others. Oh, shoot. But I forget, you haven't worked the steps. And he X, before I could answer the question, he X'd it out. <laughs> so, so, so let me see if I can get this straight. We've got a three-part illness, body, mind, and spirit, treated by a three-part program, recovery, unity, and service. And in that, you are in one part of the recovery part. And you wonder why you can't stay sober. You ever sit on a three-legged stool? Guys, you could do jumping jacks on a three-legged stool. It's pretty sturdy. Cut one leg off. It's a little tricky, but you can balance on it for a while. Cut two legs off. You're going to hit the floor pretty quick. You'll follow? It's not, it's not very steady at all. And that's exactly what we're looking at. You show me a guy sitting in this room right now that's having trouble staying sober, and I can take him to this place right here, and I can ask him those questions, and I can tell you exactly why he can't stay sober. One part of this program is missing. Two parts or all three parts. You find me somebody that's got 20 years of sobriety and lost it. I don't need to know about all the stupid drama. You don't have to talk for 15 minutes explaining why you relapsed. All I got to do is open the book to the title page and say, excuse me, let me ask you a couple of three questions. And we can go right straight back to this circle and triangle. This is how we stay in balance in this thing. Y'all follow, guys? This, this idea that AA is supposed to be some kind of a cult and that we're all together and we're keeping each other sober one day at a time must be smashed. Somehow, someway, we've got we've to clear this up. This is a spiritual program of action. We were intended to get well, work the steps, recover, turn around and help some other people and re-enter the mainstream of life. We're supposed to go back to school. We're supposed to, we're supposed to get married, raise families, learn to speak languages, paint pictures, do life. We're not supposed to hide in AA. And if you can't stay sober unless you hide in AA, you're, you're not in all three parts of this program. Anybody hear me knocking meetings? I'm not. I'm saying you can't expect a meeting to keep you sober. That's why we got to be in all three parts of this, guys. And I think it's really important that we pass on that legacy that those old geezers passed on to us just because somebody made an arbitrary decision in New York. I think it's important for us to continue that legacy. Y'all cool with that? 
so y'all can come get this after. Y'all have any questions on, on specifically on 10 and 11 that we're, that we're, we've got a couple of minutes before we got a break and then uh, we have a speaker meeting after this. Any questions? You, sir, the handsome young man in the Texas Longhorn hat. <laughs> Anybody else? <laughs> I, I have at times, uh, I have at times, period, in my 21 years of sobriety, I, go, I cycle through, especially when things get really, really nuts, I do written inventory. I don't do written inventory on a regular basis. I do an inventory every night. It's just a given. I, I, I follow, I ask the questions, but I've done it so many times, I sit there on the edge of the bed and do it. I'm not a real good writer. I don't. I, I, I've got a buddy, I've got some guys I sponsor that do it religiously. They write it, but I, I don't. Did you, did you, do you do that? <laughs> That's why I'm the spiritual giant that I am, is because I do that. No, no, no. I don't. I don't either. Um, but it's an interesting thing I want to tell you along that line. We had a, uh, I've got a halfway house down in the hill country of Texas that um, in the early days of this halfway house, we had guys down there, and we never did written inventories with them. They were never instructed like that. The guy that's my house guy now that runs that gig down there, uh, 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 Old Mean Dan, who is, the, who is the finest guy you ever had running a, a, a transitional house, he's, he's, um, he's amazing. And, uh, but he's got all these little cats writing nightly inventories. And let me tell you something, that it's like night and day difference. The little guys that are coming out of there now, they're like little spiritual Amazons when they walk out of there. And I think a lot of it has to do with the discipline of sitting there writing this stuff. Now, over the years, what I've tended to do is, is, is I always, at the end of the night, when I go through this thing and I go through it in my head uh, of, of my review of the day, I'm doing the review just exactly like it is in the book, but like Chris, I've, because I've done it for so many years, I'm, I'm clear on what it is, and I just read it in my head, and, and I always keep a little notepad next to the bed, and as I, as I come across something, loose ends. It always seems to be loose ends, things that, I, that I, I wanted to do that I didn't get done, things that perhaps I should have been a little more diligent with. People, I, I'll, I'll get a, a thought in my head of somebody that I haven't talked to in a while that was struggling the last time I saw them, and I'll just put the name down on this little list. It, you can buy them at Sam's Club or wholesale place like this. You can get a whole stack of them for like four bucks. It's an amazing thing. And I just tear one of them off. When I, when I, when I get done, I set it aside. And in the morning when I get up, it's the very first thing I do when I get up in the morning is I tear that little notepad off and stick it in my pants pocket and I go on to work. When I get to work, the very first thing I do is, is take that little note out and set it up, fire up the computer, go get coffee started, go, go turn on the stuff in the back for my guys when they get there. And then I come back in the thing and sit down and I deal with as much of that list as I can. Some of it I can't deal with until it gets a little later because people don't appreciate calls at 5.30 in the morning. But, um, but the point is, is that I don't carry that crap from one day to the next day. I'm, I've dealt with it right then and life can get really, really sweet. You ever notice how, jam how jammed up life can get? And sometimes, and it doesn't take much, sometimes it just, a day or two of unresolved conflict and pretty soon the joy is out of life. Life is now a struggle again, and it's not very fun, and it's just like, it's just tough going, and I made it that way. And all I have to do is just 
back up and, 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 and slide back into the discipline, and then I'm okay. Groovy? All right. You got, did you have anything else that you needed to do like this? Why don't we go take a fast smoke break, and then we'll come back and listen to our speaker for tonight. <laughs>